Welcome to Women Leading the Way Radio Show, where each time you'll hear from successful women CEOs, executives, and professionals, where we'll discover how they do what they do to be successful in business. We'll be interviewing women who have overcome big challenges, women who have incredible stories of lessons learned in dealing with adversity. We'll even interview women who have started and grown successful organizations and women who are C-level executives with unique talents and positions. Our goal is to bring successful businesswomen together to share how they're leading the way in business today. Well, good afternoon and welcome to Women Lead Radio, brought to you by Connected Women of Influence. My name is Susan Goodson and I'm your host of Our Stories Matter. I know that this is a podcast about successful business. And it's about women who show up to life every day with the best they have. But I am the mother of three children who have struggled with addiction. And what I know is that those of us who are in a life that deal with addiction on a daily basis with those we love affects our ability to stay focused and oftentimes affects our ability to function in the workplace. So I want to bring that story to... Um, to the world. And our topic today is about how do we hold on to our hearts while loving an addict. And our leading lady today is my dear friend, Lisa Mowry. I asked Lisa to join us today to share our heart, her heart with us when it comes to doing everything you think possible and nothing is working. You know, when a mother's heart is hurting and you think you have the tools and you do everything right and pain, where where do we go from there? So, hi, Lisa. Hello. Hi, Susan. Hi, everyone. I am so glad you're here today. So, are you ready for some questions? Yes, of course. All right. Let's jump in. Okay. So, the first question is, you have a story of courage tenacity and hope and I would like you to to share some of that with us before we get into the addiction aspect okay I would love to yes um I you know my my story I'll try to shorten it a little bit um but um from the very beginning um I was um born to a teenage mother who was 14 years old um, and couldn't care for me. And so my grandmother raised me, her mother, for eight years. And um, I grew up in kind of poor conditions and not much family support, a lot of alcoholism around me, a lot of uh, dysfunction in the family dynamics. Um, but got through that. Um, and really what I think really laid the foundation for my life was my grandmother's faith in the Lord. And she gave me my faith at a very young age. And that really helped me throughout my life um, with different things. Um, Fast forward many years later, um, I got married at 21. Um, My husband was a police officer and um, we had a great life. We raised three children and we were in the ministry doing really well, I thought. Um, my husband struggled with um, depression, but no one knew it. Um, and um, 13 years ago, he took his life by suicide. 
Um, and it was a really, really difficult time. It shattered my family. Um, my boys particularly, and one of the reasons why I'm here today is because one of my boys really struggled big time with losing his father and really fell down into major crisis mode into addiction. And it began to spiral out of control after he lost his dad. All my boys were really close. We were a close family. And I, he, he really struggled on what to do with that. And so um, my faith has held me through my husband's suicide. And also prior to that, um, I think it was like eight years prior to that, I was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. I had went through cancer um, treatments and am blessedly, happily in remission now, but it was a difficult time too. Wow. Was there any indicator that this one son had a propensity to alcohol and drugs, or was that not even on the radar until after your husband died? No, it was on the radar a little bit. We were just not familiar with it. It was just very, um, there were indications. My son was not doing well in school. I switched him from one high school to another. Then he blossomed. But, you know, unbeknownst to me and my husband at the time, he was, um, experimenting with over-the-counter cold medication with friends. He was, you know, in high schooler. We didn't even know anything about that. Didn't even know that was a, a way that kids got high. And um, and he just hit it, you know. It was just a thing he started doing to just kind of play around as a teenager. But then later, I think that was the beginning of a path that he fell into. Right. Did your other boys struggle with that as well, or just him? No, no. The other two boys have never had any issue with uh, drugs or alcohol at all. Okay. And where is is this a um, where in the family does this does this son fit? Is he the oldest? Well, he, he, yeah. Well, he's only the oldest by two minutes. He's one of my sons. Oh, okay. Um, okay. And so um, he is. Um, yeah, you know, birth order, he is the oldest by two minutes. Um, okay. But, yes, he's one of the oldest, and then my youngest son is five years younger than the twins. Okay. Um, is is there alcoholism and addiction in the – well, you said there was from your growing up, that there, you were living in, you know, in an environment yes. where that was a, a problem. Do you believe that genetics can be partly responsible for your son's disease? I absolutely do. I believe that um, there is a lot of research that shows that there absolutely can be a combination of it. Genetics will really, um, you know, really certain people have it in their DNA that they're more susceptible to it. And it actually, alcoholism is on both sides of the family. So um, I recently lost a brother-in-law to alcoholism, so um, it, it's both sides. So it's almost like, yeah, uh, it was from the very beginning there was a path of that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's an insidious disease. I mean, it's yeah. what do they say in 12-step? It's cunning, baffling, and powerful. 
And the more we try to make sense of it, the crazier we get to say, like, for example, I'm watching a son that's in crisis right now. And, um, you know, and, and his family, his wife is as sick as he is. It's not just them. Right. You know, it's us. It's how we react to them. It's how we try to make sense of it. It's, you know, and, and you're, we're not going to be able to do that. You just can't because it's, it doesn't make sense. Right. So I, I want to ask you, do you feel guilt? Is there any guilt that you feel for not having seen the possibilities of what could come? I believe where I am today, I absolutely felt guilt before. Okay. Um, what I mean by that is I, you know, my, my profession is I am an associate marriage and family therapist. And, and with that, I've done a lot of personal work um, through counseling myself. You know, it's one of our requirements um, through our profession, but also personally just for myself. Um, Yes, um, we were, my husband and I were in the ministry, and we were caring for a lot of people um, under us, um, including staff. And then every summer we ran summer camps where there were over 500 children each week. And we were very involved in those children. And a lot of those children came from um, poverty and crisis situations and foster homes. And my heart was always for helping children. So with my son at the, you know, after we first started to recognize there was a problem, I felt like, how did I not see it in my own son if I could minister and see it in all these other children and staff, you know? And, and, and sometimes, you know, as I work through that and over time and um, prayer and tears, it came down to sometimes we're only allowed to see what someone wants us to see, even mm-hmm. our own children, mm-hmm. you know, and um, he knew how to hide it most of the time. Yeah. Yep. They because do. Because he, yeah, he knew, he knew who we were as parents and what we didn't allow. I, you know, I was one of those parents that, you know, you can have as much fun as you want, but there's certain things that you can't do. And I wasn't one of those that you could be open and drinking or, or doing anything, you know, like that, that was going to harm you. Um, So I've worked through that a lot. Um, But there's always a mom's guilt, right? Mm -hmm. Wishing that there was something else we could have done or could could do. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're going to take a quick moment and recognize one of our supporters and partners. So please stand by and we'll be right back. Mm -hmm. Women Lead. Women Lead Radio is brought to you today by Connected Women of Influence and our partner, National University. National University is proud to be one of the largest private nonprofit universities founded in 1971. The National University mission is to provide accessible, achievable higher education to adult learners. Today, National University educates students from across the United and around the globe with over 170,000 alumni worldwide. Thank you for your support, National University, and to all our sponsors and partners. Okay, so Lisa, back to 
Yes. When you're, you and your husband both began to know that your son might be having um, a propensity to experimenting, and then your husband decides he can't, he can't stay. He, he is overwhelmed yes. with his depression, and he, he chooses to end his life. Now, here you are as a, as a widow with three boys, one yes. that is showing that he may be struggling with alcohol and drugs. Were, were you furious with your husband, <laughs> with life, with how can you do this? I mean, come on. Now, yeah. how are you feeling yeah. when all of that hit the fan? Well, um, obviously, first, it was numbness and shock Mm -hmm. because um, my husband was the most caring and loving person um, and a man of faith. And we did not see it coming. Nobody saw it coming, his best friend or any of us, his children. Um, Then after I worked through some of the shock and numbness and that began to wear off, absolutely there came anger because Mm -hmm. um, all of a sudden it was like he got to check out. And yeah. now I had an extra burden on me of I had to be the parent, both parents to him. I had yep. to give him what his father couldn't give him as much as I could and also be strong enough to pick him up at times when he was falling, you know, mm. even in the midst of grieving and loss. And it was mm. a very... It has been a very difficult time, um, but again, um, there was a very short time after my husband's death, like I guess only a few months, where my faith was shaken. Um, uh, I was um, going to ask, was there a faith crisis in there? Okay. Yeah, there was a little bit of one. There was just a, okay, why this? Why now? And why did you allow this to happen, God? And why are you, why is this now an extra thing with my son who he's, the door is open for him to be, you know, an addict? You know, why, why, right? But then it mm-hmm. came down to God has always been faithful in my life. I, you know, I have been, I believe, sheltered and saved from many different things that could have happened to me. And I knew because of my faith in the Lord, I had been protected from those things. So even in grief and loss and even in addiction with my son, there's still, and even in cancer, you know, I have been protected and God has shown me and shown up for me. And so I knew I needed to keep my faith in God and keep my eyes above um, because this world was not very kind at the moment. Mm. So do you believe that every life circumstance is an opportunity for us to develop a more intimate relationship with God? Absolutely. I think, okay. I think for me personally, yes, that has been true for me. Uh, okay. I have never felt closer to God um, than the times that I went through cancer and the, and the times uh, after my husband's death, after after a month or two, after I had to try to figure out what what does this even look like, right? How do mm. how do you still believe and have faith in the midst of something like that, right? But then yeah. it came down to the Bible is still true today. God's word is still true today than it was thousands of years ago. 
Um, it's just a different time on this earth, but it, the, it's still it's so true. Everything the right. promises are so true, and I have to I have to hold those close. Well, and the other thing too is, you know, when you're dealing with things like this, you you, you have a choice. You can either believe or not believe. I mean, right. the circumstance is not going to change. You know, just because no. I believe in God doesn't mean I'm not going to have three kids that struggle with right. addiction and alcoholism or a or right. a husband that I'm caregiving. I mean, the bottom line is I'd rather have something to hold on to while I'm going through this as the option of being alone and thinking I'm doing this all by myself. Right. So, uh, yeah. Okay. So my question is, as a um, associate marriage and family therapist, you are trained to have tools. You know things. And so now you're a mother who's a therapist who's dealing with a son whose life seems to be falling apart at the moment. Does this information and training help you or does it make it harder? <laughs> it's funny that you say that and ask that question. Um, you know, I, I, it can go both ways for me. Um, I absolutely have additional knowledge and tools than I had before. Um, I'm And just a little tiny background for everyone here. Um, I did not um, finish college um, when I was younger. I got married at 21, had my boys at 23, and then went into full-time social work and working for a large nonprofit for 30-some years. After my husband died by suicide, uh, it took me about four to five years. I decided to go back and finish my degree. So I'm older and, um, and decided to do it in counseling American family therapy. So I'm newly um, into this field in the last couple of years, the last three, three to four years. So I just acquired that extra knowledge, um, some of it from experience and some of it from school. So it has helped me in many different ways because I do know more than I did before. However, with, those, with that knowledge comes, I know what could be if mm-hmm. my son would follow what he needs to do to get himself in a good place. So I, I have the path and I have the tools, but you have to have a person that is willing to lay everything down and follow that, right? And even me, it's still my son, and it's still I can't force even my son to to listen or follow those things. I can only just continue to love him and provide him what he wants when he asks for it. Right. So you, so unlike other mothers of addicts, you now have a suicide component. Yes. Your husband, his dad, committed yes. suicide so here yes. you have a son and you're looking at your son does the thought of suicide enter your mind absolutely every time right um and i would like to kind of uh, make a little a little add a little note there um in the the world of um suicide survivors um a lot of us don't use the word committed we use the word completed suicide um, because okay. when, you use the word, when you use the word committed it, it adds blame right and shame and okay. um, and we don't use that because there is no blame or shame it's just it is what it is 
right? Okay, so, so when sense, you go ahead. Okay, no, go ahead. Yeah, so with my son, yeah, every time, right? Every my my fear for the last thirteen years has been the fear of losing my son to suicide due to um, his addiction with a component of mental illness of depression. Um, okay. Which came on very strong after his father died. Okay. And how does a mother reconcile that? You know, how do you reconcile that there's a possibility because of his history that this could happen to him? Or do you reconcile it? How do you, how do you get to a point where you can surrender that to God and not have it debilitate you every time your son moves into crisis. Right. Or is, is that possible? It's a, yeah, I, I believe it's possible to some extent. And what I mean by that is over time, I've been able to let go a little bit more each, each time there's a crisis. Um, okay. I have done everything I can do to prevent my son from taking his life to the fact where you know, as a parent of an addict, I mean, I'm sure I'm not speaking about anything that one else has done as a parent where you hide things or take things away or you know where they are at all times. You add buffers. You protect as much as you can, right? But it came down to I cannot, um, I cannot protect him. I couldn't protect my husband. No. And I can't protect my son. That has to be continued down the path he is or he changes it. I will be devastated if that happens, and God forbid if that's the outcome of this. And I can't believe or lose hope in the fact that he will overcome this and have a wonderful life and be healthy mm-hmm. and happy. That is my, my prayer and my, and my hope, the promise that I'm going to be given or be, right. you know. Mm-hmm. I think that's every mother's heart's desire is that no matter what's going on with our children, you know, whether it's addiction or whether it's depression or whether it's whatever it is, that they will right. find a way to to seek the help, be willing to seek the help, surrender enough so that they can get better. Because right. we, you know, we can't, I was watching a show the other day and, and, and they said that growth is a process just be part of the process. You know, I mm. can't make a tree grow. I can't make a sun heal. I can't mm. fix the problems that other people have created based on the choices that they make. But I can pray for them and I can love them. And so um, when everything is falling apart, what do you do to keep going? Yeah, for for me, it's just a matter of keeping my, you know, my eyes on the fact that he can succeed in this world, and right. that I need to, I need to let go as much as I can because I can't all the time. He needs to learn from some of the mistakes and most of the mistakes he's making, right? And mm-hmm. I also have to make sure that I'm doing self-care for myself. Because for a while after my husband's death, I lost that in me because I was so engrossed in making sure that nothing happened to my son, that I Mm. was there 
all the time, whether it was at the hospital or, you know, cleaning him up after, you know, some episode he had or whatever that was. And then it came to a point where I had to say, I can't live my life always holding him. You know, there has to be a way for me to allow him to have autonomy and make the mistakes and and learn from them and grow to be the man that I know he can be. So mm-hmm. I had to let go to some extent. Lisa, you bring up a very, very important point, and that is the idea that we have to be at the top of our list. You know, we have to mm-hmm. allow ourselves the space and grace to be a priority so that so that we give from a place of fullness and not mm-hmm. from a place of empty resentment, anger, bitterness. Um, So what are some of the things that you do to take care of yourself? What are some of the ways that you do self-care for you? Okay, I'm not perfect. (laughs) I'm still a work work in progress. (laughs) Um, But, you know, for a long time, one of the things I couldn't do was read. Uh, That sounds very simple, right? But mm-hmm. um, when my husband died, um, one of the things as a widow, it was very hard to focus. So for a long time, I would not read for pleasure. And then mm. through, my, through my son's addiction, there were so many times I couldn't focus because I was so worried about him and what was happening with him. So I reinstated um, that in my life, and it's become a simple thing but a joyful thing for me. It's just reading for pleasure. Um, mm. along, along with that is mindfulness and prayer. It's just mm-hmm. being still and taking some time every single day to just be still and be present in the moment, not worrying about what the future is going to hold and not bringing up the past of what has been happening. Just being present. Today, my son is got a job. And Mm -hmm. today was a good day. Today he was Mm -hmm. spending it with his daughter, and there was no crisis. And that's the moments that I hold on to is just being Mm. present. That's so wise. Well, just in case our listeners may want to reach out to you after the show or have any questions, are you okay with them reaching out to you? Absolutely, yes. Okay, and how, how would you like them to contact you? Okay, I'm going to give you um, my email address. Okay, okay. Uh, it's uh, lmowry13 at yahoo.com, and that's spelled M-O-W-E-R-Y 13 at yahoo.com. Okay, with an L in front for your name, Lisa. Yep. So lmowry mm-hmm. at yahoo, Thir- 13 at yahoo.com. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one other question, because we have about – Two or three more minutes. So what tips would you give other moms to help them love their children without allowing circumstances to continually break their hearts? Okay. Um, I think one of them, and this is more of a recent one for me, has been I read an article um, that it was about how you help your children through addiction where it comes back to landing on love. So what that means is that we just love our children where they're at, that um, even in the middle of a crisis at the moment, 
we just show love because they're hurting and needy and it's just, I love you. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, you are the best thing that's ever happened to me and you are, you know, you're amazing and, and I'm proud of you even in the moment of the things that you're going through. And just doing self-care um, constantly every single day um, and having some kind of whatever you believe in, some, something to hold on to, some kind of faith, and, um, and talking to others. I think that is amazing is to have a support system. For me, it's my husband now and um, my other children and my best friends and specifically Susan is one of those mm. people that I have learned a lot from. So I think having a good support system too in place. Oh, I think that's amazing. Well, Lisa, thank you. Um, that's our show today. We are almost um, yes. I, I want to thank you for being here and being so authentic, open, and real, because this is not an easy topic to talk about. And then when you add the history, it makes it a, even a little bit more painful. And I'm so grateful that you didn't let the pain that you were in at the moment pull you away from being here with us today, because you have so much to give and you have so much life experience, and I, I just so appreciate you. Um, I'd also like to give a, I'd like to give a special thanks to our listeners, both in the U.S. and internationally, as we are an international show. So after our show today, you can listen to Women Lead Radio on all subscriptions in podcasts, specifically Apple Podcasts, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and iHeartRadio. It has been my sincere pleasure to be your host today. Thank you for listening, and I wanted to remind our listeners out there, please don't give up hope and know you are not alone on your journey. Women Leading the Way is produced by Connected Women of Influence the premier private membership organization where like-focused, business-to-business executive and professional women connect, collaborate, and cultivate a vast network of high-level affiliations, resources, and professional relationships. For more information about Connected Women of Influence, please visit our website at connectedwomenofinfluence.com.